Hello, and welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast, actually a special episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Cue the confetti. We are celebrating 100 episodes of the podcast today. Hello, Marcy and Katie. Hey, hey. So morning, everyone. Yes, such an exciting day. A hundred of anything is always a big, it's always a big milestone. It's funny that we as humans have created that. I don't know what it is about the number 100, but it always feels like a time to celebrate. In Mm. honor of celebrating our hundredth episode, we want to give something fun back to our listeners. So Katie, can you explain the details of our hundred episode giveaway? They're actually quite simple, uh, which is unusual for me. Usually I like to complicate things and use a lot of words, but uh, this is simple. All we are looking for to have you be entered and eligible to win our big group of prizes is a rating and review on iTunes. It's all we need. It's all we want. Um, And if you could just take a screenshot of that review and DM it to me, that would be great. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So let's tell everybody what the prizes are. It's quite a, it's quite a big bunch. Katie, you go first. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a couple things that I'm going to throw into the mix here. Uh, the bundle of all of my digital recipes will be part of the prizes. So from my special edition to my food for thought books, that will all be in there. And I just recently, it's sort of still quiet, released um, a reverse dieting guidebook. And that has some additional recipes that have not even yet been posted to Instagram yet. And I will include that as well. And finally, I will also include a $150 gift card for PE science. Amazing. which is the protein I love and use in all of my recipes. So great for someone who's got the books, but has never actually used the protein that I love. Um, that will be included as well. Awesome. Mars. Well, I am the, the mindset person over here. Well, I think we're all mindset people, but, uh, the journaling is something that I talk often about, and I do that pretty much every day. It has benefited my life in so many ways. And I know that journaling can feel very overwhelming if you have not done it before. And often that creates resistance from people even getting started. So they will open up a blank page and look at it and be like, I don't even know what to write. And so they don't write anything. So I recently came across something called the focus journal and my friend, Craig, who is a therapist, my therapist, actually, he created it. And it's very similar to the five minute journal. If anyone is familiar with that, but I mean, it probably could take you five minutes, maybe 15 minutes at the most every day, but it's just a really simple entry point. If you do want to get into journaling and you don't have, you don't know what to write about. So, you know, it's the basic prompts, like, what are you grateful for? And what are your wins that you can celebrate? And then there's a, a daily quote at the bottom, and it's always a very lovely or profound quote. And you read that, and then you write about what that quote means to you or how you can apply that to your day. So just a really nice, but simple way to set your intentions and start your day off on a positive note. So I am loving it. A lot of my clients have bought one and it's really interesting, but I have seen like profound shifts in them after starting this work. So there's something to it. So it's called the focus journal. It's very nice. And I'm excited to give it away because it's made a huge difference in my life. 
Awesome. Thanks, Mars. And I'm going to be adding into our giveaway package a new workshop that I just filmed this past weekend. It's called 75 Minute Meal Prep. <laughs> Funny enough, it was actually called 70 Minute Meal Prep, and I'm going to have to change everything because I just, I talk a lot. So it's now 75 Minute Meal Prep. And um, not to toot my own horn, though I don't have a, a, a hard time tooting my own horn. It's really good, guys. If you're somebody who's wanted to get into the idea of doing meal prep and it felt it was overwhelming and you're like, I don't even like to cook and I don't want to do all that hard stuff, this is for you. You're going to get um, the recipes, you're going to get the shopping list, and then we are going to you will get the replay of this video. You'll watch it and you will cook along with me. And in 75 minutes, you will have all your breakfast, lunches, and dinners for the entire work week. It is fast. It is easy. We move along. Um, really excited to give this. This is going to be something I'm going to be selling on my website. I, it was a bonus that I had created for people who joined my Fitter After 40 workshop workshop course. And I was like, this is really good. I think this is something I should make available to people. So it will be for sale on my website coming up soon, but you can get it for free in this price package. So you just heard there, this is several hundred dollars worth of a giveaway. So be sure to enter. Um, all you have to do is leave that rating and review on iTunes and then shoot a screenshot of that, DM it to Katie um, over on Instagram. Katie's Katie Crocus, right? Yeah, That's at Katie it. Crocus. Yep. At mm -hmm. Katie Crocus. And you will be entered to win and we'll announce uh, next episode who the winner is, or we'll, we'll announce it on the next episode. We'll also announce it on social media. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keep paying attention there. All right, so we're going to dive into this episode. We're actually going to do something really fun. I'm going to give you guys a little backstory on the decades of strength, where it came from, how it started, um, who the whole cast of characters was, because they, there's some history to it. This is not a new podcast. We've been around for several years now, uh, since 2018. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And then we're going to do a top 10. We're going to count down our 10 um, episodes that uh, were fan favorites and then we're going to uh, kind of riff on those and give you our perspectives on those topics uh, today. So our, our little podcast started back in 2018 when I went to a business conference in New York City. It was just a really intimate business conference. Jordan Syed hosted it for coaches and there were like nine or 10 people there and four of us were women. It was me, Sam Altieri, Nicole Garrett, and Susan Liebergolf. We were the only women there and we hit it off, spent some time together over this couple of days that we were there in New York. During that conference, Jordan challenged every single one of us to go home that week and start podcasts. And we were all like, what? <laughs> and interestingly enough, when I look back on it now, the four women, we all did it. A couple of the guys did, but not, not, most of them didn't. Most of them did, but the four women, we all went home. We all started podcasts immediately. Over the course of that summer, Sam and I guested on each other's podcast. And after one of those episodes, we were kind of talking offline and came somehow, it came about, we were both talking about the idea of the power of joining together. Like we liked collaborating and we were thinking of other ways we could collaborate. And we started talking about her and Susan and me and Nicole doing something. And it dawned on us that in that moment, Sam was 28, Nicole was 38, I was 48 and Susan was 58. And we we're like, how funny is that? And then this idea came for a podcast with women representing various generations, various decades, and sharing their thoughts, their ideas, their perspectives on health and wellness. And that's where the whole idea came from. Um, we actually, Susan only recorded one episode with us because she had just gotten um, 
this position working with Jordan and his inner circle and was too busy. So she bowed out after episode one. And then it turned out it was just me and Sam and Nicole for about a year. Nicole moved on and Sam and I were still really committed to this idea of bringing um, women of varying ages and stages of life together to talk and started brainstorming ideas for a new co-host. And we actually picked two, (laughs) Um, Marcy and Sarah Duff. And the four of us then recorded, and it was a totally different vibe, um, a lot, a lot funnier um, with Sarah in the mix, <laughs> and a lot more thoughtful with Marcy in the mix. A, you know, some deeper kind of holistic stuff coming in that way. And we recorded together for well over a year, and I don't know when it would have ended, um, I've come to a halt, but it came to kind of a screeching halt when I got really sick at the end of 2020 and had to bow out. And I just can, I just said, look, you guys just go on without me. Like I can't do this now, but they decided to take a little pause. And in that interim, Sam and Sarah's business had, had taken a really um, wide um, turn from where they had been in the fitness industry. Sarah was fully out of the fitness industry into relationship coaching. And Sam was kind of more like one foot in business coaching and one foot sort of still in wellness, but kind of really different from where she'd been. And they were not interested in continuing on with the podcast, but Marcy and I were still like, well, we like this idea still. And not that they didn't like it, they did, but they just were not committed um, to doing that weekly. So then Marcy and I set out on a search for someone else who could continue this conversation across the ages and stages of life and kind of this idea, which by the way, I hear, and I know you ladies do too. I saw it on your post yesterday, Katie, this idea that women are like, wow, I feel like we're just like friends, like just sitting around talking. That's by design. Like ladies, that's how we literally set this podcast up to be. That's the vibe we're looking for. Um, And we were so thrilled when Marcy and I were trying to figure out like, who should we bring on? Who should we invite um, to participate in this? And Marcy mentioned Katie and we all got on a call and I just found it to be such an immediate fit. Um, I feel like Katie, you have such talent. It was not only with recipe development, which is amazing in my mind, but just also just with really thinking deeply and being able to express yourself in such a beautiful way um, that I just think adds a lot of richness to the podcast. And that's how Katie came to be on the podcast uh, late last spring. Anything else to add about the history there, ladies? Well, interestingly enough, I did not know. Obviously, I knew about the decades, um, but I didn't know that it was like the 28, 38, 48, 58. That's really cool. Yeah, (laughs) it just kind of hit. We all of a sudden realized that and we're like, whoa, that's actually kind of unique. And we know we've stuck with that idea of trying to have people from varying age ranges. Um, Who knows? Maybe we'll add a fourth. Anybody want to come on and representing their 20s? That's (laughs) great. I will say as much as we're looking for diversity in ages, one, some there, there's not a lot of diversity in, in other ways in our group. We are three mm. white American women. So like, okay. look, we could stand for some more diversity here, uh, racial diversity, ethnic diversity, uh, geographic diversity. So I feel like when I first started listening, I found this podcast when it was the four of you. Uh, and uh, I felt like that was my first experience with a different kind of diversity with that, with sort of the, the age diversity, because in my Instagram world, it was a lot of women who were younger than me. I was probably Mm -hmm. like 38 at that time. And everybody who was a mover and shaker in on the platform was like 25 entrepreneurial killing it for whatever reason, they might've just like fallen into Instagram at a time. And just, they just rode that tide and, and we're doing great. Um, and so to come across this where I, again, Marcy had this more holistic perspective and Sam was a little whimsical and fun. And then, you know, Kim, you had a whole lot of wisdom and we're just so grounded and centered and, and, um, 
there was just so much to offer in so many different ways that it appealed to me instantly. And I had no idea that was, there was ever even anything before the four of you. Yeah. Then, and here's the thing. If you're looking for those episodes and you're like, where are they? I actually forgot this entire preparation for this episode. Technically, we realized early this morning, we have a little more than 100 episodes because the early episodes of this podcast, for whatever reason that I cannot for the life of me remember, when we first started recording what we did, because we all had our own individual podcast, we would record together and then we would disseminate the podcast on our individual podcast. So there are episodes of the Decades of Strength on Susan, well, Susan has one. <laughs> Susan, me, Sam, Nicole. Um, that's how we disseminated the podcast. So you'll look back if you go to my podcast, which if you didn't know, I have a solo podcast. I think it's pretty good. Uh, the Fitness Simplified podcast. But if you look back, you'll see special episodes called Decades of Strength Episodes. And that's where the first like year of episodes lives, which I totally forgot till I was looking at this list of our top 10. And I was like, why are they? There's none from back earlier. And there's none of these with like, Nicole and, and Sam. And I'm like, that's really weird. And then I realized, <laughs> I realized it that they're elsewhere. So look for those on my episodes of fitness, fitness, simplified podcast, look back and you'll find decades of strength episodes there, but we're counting back all of our standalone. This is a hundred episodes of decades as a standalone podcast. Um, been a couple of years now, and that's what we're going to jump into here. Now we're going to count down like David Letterman style, starting with number 10. So episode, um, so not episode, no, I want to get my, I don't want to get my numbers confused here. So number 10, as far as our top rated episodes, number 10 is episode 59, how to be consistent. Mars, give us some thoughts on that. Thoughts on consistency. Oh, consistency. Well, it is really where the magic is going to happen when it comes to your results. So we all know if you are not being consistent, then progress is going to be very slow, if not non-existent. So you have to dial it in. You have to find ways to, to allow yourself to be consistent. Um, and I think that that can be, you know, really the, the biggest challenge of all, but, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet and say that like, it is the name of the game. So if you are not being, if you're struggling with your consistency, then, you know, get honest with yourself about why that is and come up with a game plan for how to circumvent it. Because it is really frustrating when you feel like you are doing everything right. So like I'm checking the boxes, I'm doing all the things. And it's like, yes, that might be true, but are you doing them as often enough? as you need to. And Kim has a really great strategy, which I'm sure she'll talk about that can actually allow you to see a visual representation because oftentimes I think like in our mind, we believe it and our mind really does play tricks on us. So, um, you know, you can, like I said, be, be assuming that you're doing everything right, but it's like, am I doing it um, often enough? Am I doing it with this like consistent, level of adherence, um, you know, it, not to say like it has to be every single day, but, you know, really like six out of seven days need to be consistent because people will throw around like 80%, 90%. I don't even know where that number came up or came from, but uh, five out of seven days is a, a C. So C's might de get degrees, but they don't make progress. So <laughs> those are my thoughts. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks, Mars. Katie, your thoughts on consistency? Uh, well, I, I agree with everything Marcy said. And I would say if you are having trouble with consistency, lower the bar. Okay. Mm -hmm. so if you are not able to check the boxes in a consistent way, let's call it six or seven out of seven days, then you're reaching too far, lower the bar. And then as you get really proficient, begin to inch that bar up. Love that. That's really good advice. Um, the only thing I'll add, you guys covered it really well, is the idea that sometimes people think that consistency means like streaks. Like I have this straight line of I've done it perfectly for whether it's like your steps or logging on my fitness pal or whatever it is that you need like streaks to be consistent. And really consistency doesn't mean never bobbling. It means never stopping when you do bobble. So don't be so obsessed with your streaks of perfection for whatever it is. All right. So that's number 10. Let's go to number nine and our highest rated episodes. Number nine is our biggest mistakes when we started. So I'll go first with this one. I was thinking about this. I'm like, when did I even, I don't, I don't know if we qualified like when starting was, and I've certainly started with my fitness journey many, many times over the years. So I want to go like way back. And I may have said something totally different on the episode, but if I think back to when I was like 18 or 19 and 19 and wanting to get in shape, the thing that I wish I had done differently, my biggest mistake was not opening my eyes to strength training. Um, and it's a piece of advice that I would give to anybody, whether you're 69, 59 or 19, like I was when I first started thinking about like, how can I get into shape? And that is to start as soon as possible to put on as much muscle as possible. That's my piece of advice there. Katie, how about you? Biggest mistake when you started? So I don't know if this is the one I said in that episode, but this is top of mind since I just wrote this reverse dieting guide. So in the context of a reverse diet and getting into maintenance and beyond, my biggest mistake was taking all of the easy buttons from dieting with me into reversing and maintenance, which were things like volume foods, artificial sweeteners, high fiber, all those things that help make a deficit easier do not help you when you are in maintenance and beyond. Those are the, the habits that you kind of need to pare down a little bit, cast a wider net on more foods um, and, and uh, start living your, your lifestyle in a way with a little bit more flexibility. And I went through my reverse and into maintenance with more of a rigid mindset and I believe that is what triggered um, the stress and uh, the gut dysbiosis that I am just now starting to get out of like mm -hmm. years later. Mm. How about you, Mars? I can relate to that, Katie. Um, <laughs> still, still struggling with the gut and the hormone issues as well uh, from time to time. And yeah, I really do believe it was a, a manifestation of all of the things that I did when I first got started. It, let's be honest. When I first got started, I was about 12 years old. So mm. I was doing like exercise videos in my parents' living room. And then I bought that thing called the firm. I like, how did I get the money to buy that? I have no idea. Um, and I will say though, the firm was strength training and those women were jacked and that's what I wanted to look like. I wanted to be lean. I wanted to be muscular. And I was like, well, if I have these eight and 10 pound hand weights in these plastic boxes, then of course I'm going to look like them. Well, that was not the case. Um, I mean, and you don't know what you don't know at the time I was so young and I was just doing what, you know, was, was shown to me. Um, and so, yes, I would say like getting more into the strength training, uh, because after that, like I did go down the cardio route or route for sure. So prioritizing heavy lifting, not doing as much cardio, but really like neither of, or we haven't really talked about proper nutrition. So 
eating enough to fuel my body, prioritizing protein. Like I went on a diet right away because I wanted to lose weight, but I didn't have any muscle under that weight, or I had very little so that when I did lose the weight, I just kind of looked like that, that skinny fat, you know, the smaller, but softer version of my former self. And that is not what I wanted either. So I would say build the foundation first, you know, even if you maybe have weight to lose, start by strength training, eating enough protein, not restricting your calories. And then from there, like once you have that base built, then you can go into the fat loss phase and you are going to be so much happier because I really believe that women spin their wheels because they diet down without having that muscle first. And they don't like what they see. And they think that the answer is just more dieting. And it's like, no, the answer is more muscle. So that is what I would say. Love that. Love that. Did I already tell you? Yeah, I already did. Okay. Next one. We're counting down. We're on number eight. It's the, oh, did I give the episodes of the, the episode how to stop your sabotaging, which is episode number 22, how to stop your sabotaging. That's a big topic. Marcy, give us some thoughts on self-sabotage. Oh gosh. self I mean, this is like a huge topic, right? Um, so self-sabotage really is just, it's a limiting belief more than anything. And oftentimes it's, it's not even your own belief. It comes from, you know, other people. So whether those beliefs were put upon you, um, you know, someone said something to you when you were younger, something that you saw, you know, in, um, uh, kind of like society norms, right? So when we have those beliefs and they've been kind of like ingrained in our head, then it is much more difficult for us to kind of like really listen to what it is that, that we want. So, um, you will be kind of like on the path and doing something a certain way. And then you, you kind of like, it's almost like you get scared, so to speak. And, and when that happens, you revert back to your old behaviors and it really is a protective mechanism more than anything. So your body, your brain is always trying to keep you safe. And whenever it sees that you are kind of like breaking those beliefs, you are starting to become this new person. It kind of goes into freak out mode because well, one, it changes scary. And I like to say, I don't think that people are as we always say like, Oh, you're afraid of failure. I think people are more afraid of success and what their life is going to look like on the other side of that. So that can be very threatening and your brain likes comfort. It likes security. So it will do like when it sees you kind of like inching closer towards your goal, it's like, Whoa, 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 what are you trying to do here? Like, that's not who you are. That's not, um, how you grow up, you know, what kind of like going back to, um, to like when you were younger. So if your family was not healthy or if your friend group is not healthy, like, you know, we, we want to be a part of the crowd. So change is threatening and yeah, our brain will come in and it will tell us things that make us like do kind of like certain behaviors that take us back to, to where we were. Fantastic. Katie. So real quick, just to add on to that, Marcy, because I think you nailed it. It is all about mindset. Um, I think it's super important to make sure that you are treating the root cause and not the symptom. So let's just say your, your symptom is like you are, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and binging on cookies. Um, that's not something as simple as 
you know, oh, I love cookies so much that my body's going to wake me up in the middle of the night to eat them. Right. There's something else going on there. And so look, you're really going to have to like turn inward, maybe get some help, maybe talk to someone, really kind of think through your day. What happens on those nights that you do that? Were you restricting? Have you, you know, not had cookies in a really long time? Whatever the thing is looking. And instead of just trying to like willpower it to death, really look at the root cause. And that is what is going to get you out of that self-sabotage mode. Yeah. Um, I think people hear self-sabotage and they recognize like, yeah, I do that, but maybe are not really clear on how they do that and what, what it exactly means. Um, and I think developing an awareness of your self-sabotaging, um, mechanisms, like what you particularly do. And two of the big ones are procrastination and the all or nothing mindset. Those are two biggies I see as far as how people self-sabotage. Um, so really starting to just build an awareness of what it is you're doing. And like Katie said, you might need some help figuring out like, what exactly am I doing here? So, um, and we can keep, I think it'd be another, uh, I think there'd be a, a good topic for a full discussion. Again, I don't know when we last published that one. Um, I feel like it was a while ago. It was episode 22. So episode 22. So I feel like that should come around here sometime soon. We'll, we'll make a note of that. Um, okay. Next number seven of our top 10 episodes are, is the six ways alcohol affects your fat loss. This is episode number 10 hot topic for sure. I feel like a lot of people in the fitness industry these days are coming out very firmly um, against the idea that alcohol um, should be a part of one's diet. Have you guys noticed this trend? I'm seeing it a lot. People are just like, no, no. alcohol. Yeah, I have. Oh, no I alcohol. Yeah, no alcohol. Oh, I thought you said it should be a part. No, no. Um, yeah, it's like I've seen it a little bit more. Yeah. I really believe we are on the cusp of the pendulum swinging back the other way, because if you think about it, certainly in my world and, and Kim, I don't know if this resonates with you as much, but, um, it is very, very acceptable for moms to drink like mm-hmm. any time of day, any time of day, there's always, you know, road sodas and, you know, at the pool, it doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter what's going on. You know, your, your, your kids just left for school after, you know, being off for two weeks, you know, have a mimosa, your kids are getting home and, and unloading their backpacks, like crack open a beer. Um, it's nighttime. We need to wind down, have a glass of wine. Like it's been very normalized. And I feel like whenever something like that really gets big and, um, uh, there's just a pendulum swing the other direction. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me at all that people are becoming a little more verbal about saying, you know what, maybe this isn't, shouldn't be quite as acceptable as, as it's become in our culture. So we'll yeah. see. What is a road soda? I, uh, so what, I live in Wisconsin. So road soda is not, not, not strange, but it's, um, it's, it's an open container in your car, but you hide Shut it somehow. That you're not, hopefully you're not driving. Oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. The mommy, the mommy wine culture is like such a Ugh. ubiquitous thing. Um, and as somebody who doesn't drink, I was certainly always left out of that because that just was not, that's just not what I did. Um, I was really interested very recently. I was in a car ride with some of my children who were older and somebody used the word alcoholic about someone who they're close to who I'm not. And I was, it's a grown up, and I'm like, they're an alcoholic. They're like, well, a highly functioning one, but yeah. And my son's impression of this, he's like, mom, a lot of the people we know 
are fun, high functioning alcoholics. They just drink and they drink and they drink. And I was stunned that he classified it as that. I had never seen it as that, but I think it is just such a huge part of, like I said, about the mom and these were moms we were talking about, um, that they get together and they drink and they're at the playground. He's like, it's not funny. He's like, but they come with their little cup that they actually have wine in. Um, so I, but I think you're right, Katie. I do think there's this pendulum swing um, the other direction that a lot of people are saying like, Hey, it's really shouldn't be a part of a healthy lifestyle. And whether you know, we take it all the way there, or we take it to the fact that we really, um, certainly if you're looking, if you're looking to be really healthy and you're looking at, if, if you're looking for fat loss, alcohol is going to play a minimal role, um, in your life. Mm-hmm. Thoughts from you, Mars. Yeah, absolutely. And I encourage people, clients, especially to get really honest about their relationship with it and if it is serving them. And I think that, you know, it's really easy when you like cling so tightly to something and, you know, like Katie was saying, you know, it's kind of a part of your, your social norm or like your social circle. Um, It's what you do to unwind. You don't have any other coping mechanisms that it's very easy to justify, you know, why you're doing it or even like, oh, it's really not that bad. I only do it, you know, on occasion. And it's like, really like, I mean, be honest with yourself and ask like, is this benefiting me? And, and maybe like trying to have a period of, of abstinence just because my favorite saying, like I always say, can't read the label when you're inside the jar. So if this has been your normal for a very long time, then sometimes you forget how good you are meant to feel, or you forget what your behaviors even like have you doing. So you were, we're talking about fat loss, right. And how it really does not have much of a role in a fat loss diet. And there are many reasons for that. I mean, one alcohol is purely empty calories. So it is going to do nothing to fill you up, to keep you full, to satisfy you. Um, so that's part of it. And, you know, it's not, it's not low calorie either. You know what? A four ounce glass of wine is like a hundred something and not many people only have one glass of wine. So like it really adds up and then your inhibitions, like once you get drunk, it's like, we've all been old, except for you, Kim, (laughs) we've all been like a little tipsy. Right. And it's like, Oh, you know, like one more won't hurt. So again, like going back to the justification, um, that is what alcohol will do. And yeah, so it lowers your inhibition. So not only are you taking in all of these empty calories that are not filling you up, but now you, um, are going to, you know, gravitate to like, let's call it like the hyper palatable food. So I don't think many people drink and like go and have a salad. Right. So it's the pizza slices. What? Some cucumber slices and carrot sticks. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, maybe you have like, you're going out to lunch and you order a salad and you have a glass of wine with it, but I think it's more so on the weekends when you're in a social environment Mm -hmm. and there's, yeah, the pizza, the chips, the cookies, all of that. So I think it just lowers your, your inhibitions and you're not going to make as good of decisions than you are going to overeat. Um, alcohol absolutely impacts your sleep. So you are lying to yourself. If you say I use alcohol as a way to wind down and help me sleep, well, no, sorry. What's happening is you're not sleeping. You are sedated. So you may feel you may like, it actually takes you out of deep or like REM sleep. So that is something to keep in mind that, yeah, maybe you fall asleep like easier, but even if you are sleeping through the night, it is not that deep restorative sleep. So when you wake up, you're probably going to feel 
lethargic, you're going to feel foggy headed. And then because of that, now hunger cravings are going to be increased. Decision-making is still going to, um, you know, be impacted as well. So it has a downstream effect on so many things. And there was a study that came out recently stating or showing that, you know, no drinks, like not even one drink has a benefit for your health. Like there was kind of like that justification, like, oh, you know, red wine, like resveratrol. And it's like, "Mm, sorry, (laughs) no. Um, but yeah, like really no alcohol is what is best. So sorry to burst your bubble out there. This is a very passionate topic. Um, I haven't seen that study. I'd be super interested. Maybe you can find the reference and we can drop it in, um, the show notes in case people. Yeah, I will do my best. Uh, I know. I know Danny Matranga had talked about on his podcast and then he did a podcast with Jordan lips, um, about like two months ago, maybe where they, they talked about it. So I will do my best to find that. Amazing. It's an important topic. And if you're somebody who's struggling with your fat loss progress and you haven't addressed the role that alcohol plays, um, in it, it's a, it's definitely a place to hit. And, And not to say that you cannot drink. I have many clients who, who drink and still you know, see progress, but just like, ask yourself, like, could, am I making it more difficult on myself? Yes. That's the question. That's the question. All right. Number six in our top 10 episodes is the magic of maintenance. And that is episode number 62, the magic of maintenance. Maintenance can be scary for a lot of people. It can almost feel like you're giving up. I just had somebody tell me that yesterday they were thinking about moving to maintenance and like, am I like quitting on myself? And we, we talked that through. I think it's important to remember that maintenance is progress. If you think about it, it's a new skill for almost everybody because they've either actively been seeking weight loss or they've been steadily gaining weight. There's not been a time where they specifically set out to figure out how do I maintain my current weight? And so it's something I would say to consider the idea that maintenance is progress and be open to that. Katie, I'm going to throw to you. I, I have a soft spot for this episode because it was the first one that I co-hosted with you ladies. Oh, right. Number 62, I think. So what I love about maintenance is um, it is the best kept secret in body physique, I feel like, because that is where things got good for me. Um, when I was in a cut and, and Marcy, this sort of speaks to sort of what you had said about, you know, sometimes when you lose weight, you are left with what's left and you're disappointed. And you're like, Oh, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't until I started eating wholly adequate calories and strength training that I saw real body recomposition. Like if I look at my progress photos from the bottom of like one of my first cuts before I reversed and went into maintenance versus after a year, two years, three years in maintenance, the difference is like night and day. If you're somebody who wants to see like a more muscular frame, um, maintenance and a long time at it along with comp- with strength training is what will do it for you. How about you, Mars? What are your thoughts there? Agree a hundred percent. And I've been in maintenance slash maybe slight surplus now, uh, for, for two years. And it was the best gift that I could have given to myself. There were plenty of times when I was ready to pull out like, Oh no, maybe I'll just do a little mini cut, you know, see what I've, uh, what I've been building so far, you know, feeling I'm not going to use the F word. (laughs) fluffy, but, um, but yeah, you know, I was just like, Oh, getting a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, thinking back to 
what I needed to do to achieve those fat loss results and just how, I mean, I don't want to say like miserable I was, but towards the end, it was hard and I was having to dig deep and I was tired. I was moody. I was irritable. I was hungry. I was all of the things. And I'm like, like, yeah, maybe it was worth it just to like show myself what I was, what was possible, like what I could do. And I really like gave it my all, but I just have no desire to, to go back there again. And it's crazy because I compare the pictures from the end of my fat loss phase to now two years in maintenance or a little bit of a surplus, like really, really working so hard in the gym, getting stronger, eating enough food, you know, prioritizing sleep, all of those things. And just like living my life, you know, not worrying about my food and my fitness quite as much, which that in itself feels like a relief. Um, but yeah, I compare the, the pictures and I was like, Whoa, I had so little muscle. Like that is not the look that I, I thought that I looked good at the end. I was like, wow, look what I achieved. And then when an <clears throat> I put the pictures, huh? That's an important point because I feel like a lot of people I've coached have been like, I love what I look like right now. I don't want to see the scale go up. And it's like, that's, that's not the way it works. Like you can't align those two. No. And, and it's funny because like at the end, you know, my coach, he wasn't like, well, Marcy, he, I mean, he praised me. He put me on his website. He put me on his Instagram, you know, like all of that. And, and that felt good, but you know, it wasn't until probably like six months ago where he was like, you still don't have enough muscle, you know, like, yeah, you can cut if you want to, but you're not going to like what you see. Like, I know the look that you want and you don't have it under there yet. So I just, I kept going, you know, I embraced the discomfort and I pushed through and now I've been doing progress pictures I'm I'm back on my game. Uh, and I did one last week. And then again, yesterday, and I put them compare, I compared them to the one, two years ago. And I was like, I, I'm like, I am so proud of myself. I got to say like, am I bigger? Am I heavier? Yes. But I was like, wow, Marcy, after all this time, you finally look like you lift, (laughs) you know, which is what (laughs) I wanted. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, for anyone who I, and I get it, it is scary, but it is so worth it. And I promise like your life will get better. And then last thing I'm going to say about this, because, you know, you guys both kind of mentioned it, that people don't feel like maintenance is progress. And it is absolutely the hardest season. Like fat loss is fat loss is the easiest one, in my opinion, because you're seeing the results. You have that motivation to keep going. Um, you know, it feels good. You feel like you're in control, all of that. Um, and so, yeah, maintenance is like, what am I even doing here? Like, what do I, do I have a goal? It's like, well, here's the thing. Maintenance actually requires a lot of work. It requires intention It inquire, or excuse me, requires purpose. And you can't just, you know, go back to your old habits that you, that you were doing before the fat loss phase and expect to maintain your results. So if this is, you know, who you want to be forever, then you're going to have to maintain these habits for the rest of your life. And yeah, that does, it requires effort. So you're doing something. Fantastic. On to number five in our top 10 episodes, it is episode number 20 lacking willpower. Here's how to set your environment up for success. I got to say, I don't know if we were being like kind of controversial there. Like, I don't know what we were talking about. I don't know that any of us would be like extolling the virtue of willpower today. And I don't know if we were then, um, but I don't know that willpower, well, I do know it's willpower isn't even where it's at. What are your thoughts on that ladies? 
So I jotted down for that. It's interesting, Kim. I completely was thinking what you were thinking that yes, you're the architect of your own environment, but to me, the antidote to willpower, what makes will, the need for willpower or discipline dissolve is the gray area, is finding a way to live in the gray and embracing flexibility. And I realize that can be counterintuitive when you are in a fat loss phase and you do have to sometimes have a time of a little bit more restraint. Yes, that's true. But that has to be minimal over the course of your year. And if you are not taking breaks and making sure to embrace vacations and learning how to incorporate things like a Sunday night dinner or a week long vacation without completely losing your mind, then um, you you don't know how to live in the gray. And I'm speaking, by the way, from experience. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not standing on a soapbox here. This was that was me. I was all into all or nothing. And so. I was a very um, disciplined person. And so I was really able to sort of like harness all of that strength. And I didn't feel like I needed willpower, but that's not everybody. And it's certainly not a healthy way to live long-term. So I would say embrace the gray, embrace flexibility. Um, you either win or you learn, right? Love it. Mars? Yeah, I mean, so many people say, I have no willpower, I have no self-control. And I think that is the first step is realizing that whatever you say about yourself, uh, your words are powerful and it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you are telling yourself that all day long, well, don't be surprised when you actually lack willpower in those moments where you need it most. But I agree, Kim, willpower really, like it's not a thing. We all have it. It's just, it's somewhat of a finite resource. And let's be honest, like no one is overeating for breakfast, right? It usually happens in the evening when your willpower battery has been depleted. So I like to think of it as like, like an actual phone battery, right? So if you charge your phone overnight, well, throughout the day, when you're on Instagram, you're texting, you're making phone calls, all of that, like your battery is getting depleted. So come from the end of the day, you know, if you don't recharge it, well, now it might be dead. So the same can kind of like be applied to you, uh, Let's say that you wake up, you know, you, you had a good night's sleep, you're feeling well, you have a, but, but then like stress hits. And so you skip breakfast, you only have coffee, you know, you dive into work, like you don't take any time for yourself. You're making decisions all day, whether it's at your job with your kids. And by the time you know it, like that your willpower is getting depleted because you are making all of those decisions, because kind of like what Katie's saying, you're saying no to things like, you know, maybe you really did want the cookie for lunch. You're like, Oh no, I can't have that. It's not good. Um, or I'm bad if I eat it. So you, you kind of like white knuckle your way through. So that is depleting the willpower. And now once you are home, it's the end of the day, you know, the stress is kind of like, let down, um, and you're hungry, you have tons of cravings. Well, now your willpower is, um, is very low. And that means that you're going to give into that temptation. So really like, how can you set yourself up for success? I think it starts with a good night's sleep. Um, because if not, then your willpower battery is going to be at like 50% from the get-go, uh, and then doing things throughout the day that are going to, you know, help like recharge it, so to speak. So, um, making sure you are taking time for yourself in the morning, just to like set your intentions, not, you know, getting into the day, um, in reaction mode, eat a well-balanced breakfast, like eat balanced meals at, um, at regular intervals, like go for short walks, like whatever you need to do to kind of like restore that is going to be really helpful. Thanks Mars. I think, um, not 
focusing on how do you get more willpower? Like, how do I get more? Like, I can't give you willpower, right? You're not going to go buy some willpower. Instead of thinking about how do I increase my willpower, looking to build skills and habits. Um, uh, Some of the things Marcy just mentioned, there are some great ones. Um, How will you handle those moments when you're, you're feeling like, I just want to, um, you know, self-sabotage. I just want to eat the things like what are the skills and habits that you can build there um, is a good way to go. Okay, on the countdown, number four of our top 10 episodes, our fourth most favorite episode, not favorite, our first, fourth highest rated episode is Put the Donut Down, How to Manage Weekend Eating and Drinking. This was episode number three. Um, I actually went ahead and pulled up on my phone this past weekend. I asked my Instagram audience um, their thoughts about, I'm trying to see if I can actually read the question I asked. I said, what have you done to navigate weekends in a fat loss phase successfully? I was like, you know, y'all have been here listening to me for a long time. What have you actually done and what works? So I'm just going to read a couple here because I thought that they were really smart ideas and then I'll pass the mic to you ladies. Uh, Somebody said, I treat them like weekdays. I plan my meals ahead of time. I loved this one. I pre-log everything so I can maximize fun while still hitting my calorie target. I liked her focus on maximizing her fun. Um, I think about my end goal and if what I'm doing is going to help me get there or not, love that. Uh, I choose food that I really want to have and I track those first. Let me find one more. Um, Oh, I like this one, sticking to a schedule, which I really like because that's almost always what people tell me when I'm talking with group members or clients about what their struggle is. One of the things that they can pinpoint that is different is they don't have a schedule on the weekend and that throws them off. And I think it's important to note your schedule on the weekend doesn't have to mirror identically your schedule during the week, but having a schedule for how you eat, how you move, what your time is going to look like can really help you to be successful um, Mm -hmm. on the weekends. Katie, let's go to you. I like what one person said about treating the weekends like the weekdays uh, because Every, if, if you treat every Saturday and Sunday, like they are a special event, it's going to be real hard to move the needle. So I think overall, you really do need to find a way to incorporate weekends and make them feel a lot like weekdays. And maybe that's implementing a schedule, sort of like what you had just said, Kim, where you plan out your movement and whatever fun, exciting event you have going on, maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday, you work around it. Mm-hmm. Love that. And then not under eating during the week. So that is typically what happens is someone tries to, you know, be very restrictive with their food intake Monday through let's say Thursday or Friday afternoon. And then by the end of it, kind of like going back to that willpower conversation, like you are so depleted because you've been trying to avoid everything that you want. And now you're hungry, you're feeling deprived. So all of the wheels fall off when you come to the weekend and, you know, you're more laid back, um, and, and likely you're in situations where, you know, maybe like food or alcohol is more abundant. So it's going to be more challenging to make those good decisions. Um, and because you don't have that structure or routine in place, So, yeah, I would say, you know, make sure that you are eating enough throughout the week that you are incorporating, uh, you know, those like indulgences or just things that you enjoy that take the, the edge off when it comes to your cravings so that you go into the the weekend feeling satisfied and not like you need to eat everything in sight. Yeah, that's fantastic and really overlooked advice there. All right. Our third most popular decades of strength episode 
is actually our very first episode when the four of us were together. Um, How to Stop Hating Your Body Beach Edition. This episode is one of my favorites because I just remember we laughed a lot during this episode. Sarah Duff kept talking about something she was calling beach pants and it all just tickled. It just tickled all of our funny bones <laughs> about, about beach pants. Do you remember that, Marcy? I do. Uh, my one piece of advice about your body in the beach is, um, look, I didn't wear a bikini until I was in my late forties guys. It was like three years ago. I put a bikini on for the first time. Like I did not feel comfortable in it. Um, and you got to force yourself out of your comfort zone. If it's something you want to do, you do not have to do it, but if you want to do it, I fully believe what people, a lot of people say this these days. And I fully believe it. A bikini body is your body in a bikini. So mm-hmm. if you want to do it, you're going to have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and, and just own it. Yeah. Um, and realize that I know the, the belief is if I put on this bikini and I don't like how I look, then other people are likely judging me as well. And that is simply not the case. So we are all so much more concerned with ourselves than we are with other people. So yeah, if you're, um, if your hesitation is that, you know, people are going to judge me or whatever the case may be, just know that they are probably feeling the same way about themselves. So you only have one life. It is so short. And just like you can, I mean, I spent so many years, not wearing a bathing suit, covering myself up, you know, wearing big t-shirts or like board shorts to hide my thighs. And I, I would give anything to give to, or to get those years back and just not be in my head about it, you know, because it takes away so much of your peace from the present moment, the enjoyment of the present moment. And yeah, life is just too short to be worrying about it. Amen. Katie? Ditto to all of that. I, a hundred percent. I also, for the first, you know, three and a half decades of my life, maybe even four, can honestly say I hated my body too. And I found some pride when I was able to put on a bikini and feel like I was showing off something I was really proud of that I worked really hard for, but it wasn't sustainable, right? Like abs are not, we're not meant to carry abs year round or even ever sometimes some would argue. Um, And so frankly, I'm still learning this. And one of the things that I found to be really true and in helping this and not just beach edition, but like year round edition, let's be honest, was clearing out my closet of all the crap that didn't feel good on my body, all the leggings that were too tight, all the bras that no longer fit and finding clothes that I really felt good in that like were soft on my skin and just treating my body with the same kind of respect that like, think about like your newborn, right? Like you would never try to put a newborn baby in anything other than like the most comfortable, cozy, softest clothing. They need to move. They need to breathe. You want them to be as comfortable as possible. And like, I'm trying to really treat my body that way with my own clothing. So if it doesn't feel good and I don't feel good in it, it is gone. And now I have like a different kind of investment, different type of investment pieces in my closet, like investing in my body. I love that. Love that. Love that. All right. Our second most popular decades of strength podcast episode is calculating your calorie deficit. This was episode 18. The question everybody wants to know is just tell me how many calories to eat. (laughs) Just give me some numbers, right? Ladies, what do you have to say to that? Marcia, let's go to you first. Well, I mean, by far the most accurate is because the calculators are all going to give you different um, 
different numbers. So I actually had a question about this in my DM yesterday. Someone was saying, should I use the TDEE calculator, which is a website that you can go to? That is one that I will reference quite often. Or should I use the one that the in-body scanner is telling me? Like, I'm not sure which is the most accurate. They're both spitting out such different numbers. And like, I, I gave her my opinion, um, and, but I did say like, you know, the caveat here is it's always a best guess. It's just a ballpark figure. So if you want to use a calculator, you know, by all means do, um, but just realize that, you know, it, it may not be like what you actually need. So give it some time, not a week, you know, maybe like two weeks, maybe three weeks to make sure that you are really being consistent. And if you are seeing absolutely no progress, then maybe you do have to adjust the number, but by far the most accurate number is going to figure out, or is going to be to figure out your true maintenance, which would be to, you know, maybe log your food for a week and not trying to fudge the numbers, like not trying to be perfect, but like actually log what you have been doing or what your normal habits and behaviors are. And then that will give you a, a pretty good estimate of what your maintenance calories are. And then you can create the deficit from there. How about you, Katie? That was my exact advice. Like ditch. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, that was it. Track your food for one week or two weeks and then take a 15 to 20% cut to it. And there's your starting deficit numbers. Yeah. Calcul um, calculations can be great. I do give them out to people, you know, give you some formulas to follow. And I think they're a great way to start. If you really want to get a handle on just having some knowledge about your own body and what you eat and how it affects your body as far as your weight, you really do like it. And you have to have patience for this, like going a couple of weeks, just tracking everything you eat. And it is tricky because I think even just that habit of I am tracking what I'm eating tends to make a person eat a little bit like less because they're being mindful, right? Mm -hmm. You're being mindful of it. So it gets a little bit tricky, but I do think it's a fantastic plan um, to, to start with tracking your deficit. All right, ladies, we have made it all the way down to number one. The most popular decades of strength episode ever was episode 61, thriving during the holidays. Now, obviously we were referring to, you know, the Christmas, Thanksgiving, um, New Year's trifecta, but there are other holidays. We actually have Easter coming up. Um, my two cents about holidays is that they are a great time to practice mindful eating you know, not tracking your calories on the holiday um, and really focusing on eating till satisfied, not stuffed, eating slowly, paying attention to your food, enjoying the sensations of eating. It's a great time to experiment. If you're like, I'm just firmly attached to my calorie tracking. I really like it as a day to um, practice mindful eating. Mm -hmm. Thoughts from you, Katie, about I mean, the holidays. God willing, you're going to have many, 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 many holidays in your lifetime. And so learning to embrace that flexibility and enjoying the moment and the people and the experience and just being present instead of thinking about, oh God, on Thanksgiving Eve, I, I did all that. And then today I probably shouldn't do it because then tomorrow I'm gonna be feeling this, that, and the other thing. No, just get out of that headspace, get into the present moment, enjoy what you're doing and know that there is nothing that you can do in a couple of days that's gonna erase all the hard work that you've put in, all the habits, all the time. That's just not the way it works. Um, Michelle Obama has this amazing quote, something along the lines of the, the, the feeling of failure sets in long before it's an actual result, right? And I think that feeling gets into people's heads when the holidays come around and they think that they blew it and it's over. And 
that's just not the truth. And so understanding that and embracing that is going to make your holidays so much more wonderful. Love that. Did you go Mars? No, I didn't. I'll keep it really short and sweet because all of your suggestions were wonderful. And I would echo, or I do echo all of them. I would say, choose what is worth it and leave behind what is not. So one of my favorite examples of this is, you know, let's say you're going to a holiday party holiday office party and someone brings in a homemade dish that they only bring in once per year. And like, you look forward to that. So that is something to absolutely indulge on, but we know there's going to be the like store-bought chocolate chip cookies or, you know, like the sheet cake, whatever it is. It's like, is that really worth it? You know, is that the thing that you want to spend your calories on? I mean, maybe so, but I'm assuming likely not. So yeah, decide what is going to be worth the indulgence and then everything else that is around, leave it behind and then have the abundance mindset to know that, you know, even if those cookies look really good, well, you can go and get them at any time. Kind of like with Halloween, you know, there's most of the Halloween candy, except for maybe candy corn, which is my favorite. Um, you can go out to the store and get it year round, you know, I do so, not get candy corn people. Candy. <laughs> I really like the candy pumpkins the most, but oh, they're delicious. <laughs> I get really excited about the idea of candy corn literally every single year. Cause it just feels so festive. And like four pieces later, I'm like, I'm good. I don't ever need to taste that again until <laughs> next October. <laughs> not wow, even a temptation. Not, well, yeah, I will like, say, um, Easter candy is my favorite by far. I think the heat, wait, yeah. what's your number one, what's your number one? Well, I know you can get these year round too, but there's just something different about the Reese's when it's in egg shape. I form. agree. I they're different. They, they're butter, different. There's right? something there's about peanut it. Peanut butter eggs. Absolutely. Yeah. And Cadbury mini eggs. Ooh, I love those. Yeah. Love those. That purple bag. Good stuff. Are you a peeps eater? Ugh, no. I used no. to like peeps. It used to no. be kind of like a thing between my dad and I. And I was like, no, no redeeming qualities whatsoever. I've always wanted to like peeps because again, they're so festive. I remember being a kid and getting excited like about the idea of peeps where I'm like, they literally don't taste good, but they're such pretty colors and they're sparkly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I eat chocolate literally every day of my life. And I think that's why these holidays come and go when I never have my hand in the candy jar ever. Yeah. I just, it's daily for me. I don't know. Yeah. For me, it's a lot of nostalgia. I just really like festive things. Put something in a bunny shape. Mm-hmm. It's super cute. I want yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's an Aww. egg. I want that. I want to celebrate. <laughs> All right, ladies, this has been really fun. This is a little yes. trip down memory lane. I hope it has been useful for those of you listening. Remember your chance to win this amazing prize package um, worth multiple hundreds of dollars. All you have to do is head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the podcast. We would love to hear from you. Take a screenshot of it and DM it to Katie at Katie Crocus on Instagram. I just realized we did not pick an end time. When do we want people to do this by ladies? We need to be, we need to be clear about that. Who has a thought? Okay. Well, should we give them all the way till Monday? We could do that. We yeah, can do Monday do- and then we, we can announce the winner next Tuesday. All right. Perfect. Sounds great. You have so till Monday, Monday. The 14th. Monday, Monday the, 14th. the 14th of March. All right. Get it okay. in. Thanks for Thanks, spending everybody. time with us. Right. Happy 100. Yeah. Bye. bye.